Okay, awesome. So what got you into skateboarding? Well, I'm of that generation where Back to the Future is what I point to that got me sparked on skating. Mm-hmm. Okay. And seeing Michael J. Fox skate in the back in the 1950s segment of that movie mm-hmm. was really the first time I, as a young, as a, I guess I was four, 13 or 14 at the time. Mm-hmm. And that was my first real exposure to skateboarding. Um, and after that, I was hell bent on finding a skateboard and seeing what, you know, seeing what that was all about, seeing uh, if yeah. I could do it. And yeah. so where did you kind of like grow up and start skating at that time? Right. I was in uh, the middle of the country in Wichita, mm-hmm. Kansas. Okay. Uh, very much landlocked. <laughs> right. And very much conservative. <laughs> yes. And... Uh, but it didn't take long, you know, once I found my first board I got from the toy store, which a lot of people will point yeah. to, uh, whether it be a Nash or a Veriflex is that, you know, you can find for like 80 bucks at the toy store. That mm-hmm. was my, my entry level board that I rode for quite a while and then upgraded, found the bike, you know, in, in mm-hmm, Kansas, definitely. we didn't really have just skateboard, pure skateboard shops. So it was right. like the bike and skate was where I got my next skateboard. Totally. <laughs> Riverside bike and skate. And it didn't take me too long to find other kids in town that, you know, especially once I knew where the skate shops were that you, know, you would meet other skaters and, um, and, you know, it was off to the races as far as just roaming the neighborhood and up in the, the little mini malls and shopping centers and, and, uh, jumping yeah. off the lo- loading docks and right. <laughs> jump ramps and and that led to you know somebody built a mini ramp and then I built mm-hmm. a mini ramp and <laughs> so it just kept going and going from there yeah and early on I I, I found Thrasher and Transworld mm-hmm. um, I still have the first Thrasher that I bought as a kid really in September of 86 yeah why did you like i guess note the significance to keep that from all these years well it it it's just kind of where the beginning of my magazine journey <laughs> yeah. started so i kept as a teenager i kept well you know i first bought a few at the skate shop mm-hmm. and and then was very quick to send in my money to be a, a subscriber Mm-hmm. And then those days of the month when the magazine would come, you know, first it was Thrasher, yeah. then I got the Transworld subscription, mm-hmm. and a little bit later was Power Edge magazine. Mm-hmm. But those those uh, those days that the magazines would come were highlights of my month, and that's where I really began to learn about the outside world of skateboarding. Yeah. Outside and, and of obviously also, where you grew up. Right. And the kids that I knew and everything. Mm-hmm. And, but, you know, getting to get a look into that world of professional skateboarding and travel and design and mm-hmm. all the different graphics and, yeah. and just, uh, you know, and, and people are doing it all over the world. Right. So obviously like, from there, I guess, I mean, you kind of already started to talk about how you got into skate magazines, but like, what 
I guess like what kind of drove you to really like keep this collection? Like, I don't know actually professionally what you ended up doing between then. Like, was it a journalism sort of position or like, were you just always kind of interested in like the look and feel like that kind of stuff? Uh, I did write little bits for most of the magazines in the, in the nineties, but uh, I, after college, I moved to San Diego and uh, basically just worked in sales positions. At, at mm-hmm. I worked for Foundation and Toy Machine oh, cool. in in the mid-90s and then started my own small distribution company called Overboard Enterprises um, that ran from 99 through uh, 2013, I think. Okay, and, awesome. Um, yeah, so that... Um, so, and, and then like when I was in high school, I worked at the local, like I didn't work at the bike and skate. I worked at the skate and <laughs> right. sailboard shop right. called Par- Paradise. And, you know, so f- as an early skateboarder, I got a look into the business side of skateboarding mm-hmm. from, from basically being my boss's right-hand person as far as helping him do his orders checking in inventory obviously you know putting boards together for customers and and then doing a little bit of like the skate shop team management and dealing mm-hmm. with the the handful of demos that came through town you know yeah so I, I got to see um kind of that that uh behind the scenes look at totally. at, at some of the aspects of skateboarding that you don't necessarily get exposed to early on in in mm-hmm. your life as a skateboarder. That's awesome. I actually meant to ask you this question formed as you're kind of talking about this, but so you mentioned obviously that like your perspective started to broaden when you got these skateboarding magazines. And this was like, I think you just said 86. So like mm-hmm. what was kind of the landscape in skateboarding around then? Well, um, most of the skateboarding centered on vert ramps. Mm-hmm. And, and skating ramps and um we had a handful of vert ramps but they were very uh you know they weren't exactly the most accessible things um and you know as as the, as building a vert ramp seemed a lot more daunting than maybe building a mini ramp so there ended up being a lot more mini ramps in my in my town and i probably think all over america mm-hmm into the later eighties. Um, and, you know, in addition to developing this love of magazines, I also, you know, it was like the magazines were first. And then when I went to California for my first time and skated (laughs) with my cousins, they, they had a copy of future primitive in the bones brigade video show, two two of the first pal Peralta videos. And so, you know, the magazines was one dimensional, right? Right. <laughs> and then, then you see the videos and you're seeing how they get into those positions that you saw in the magazines and, and you're seeing more of the lifestyle uh, around backyard ramps and contests totally. and, and the people that hang out at these events. And, and so that, um, you know, that was kind of like a whole other level of, of getting to know skateboarding through videos. Right. And, um, 
And even like skating, I'm sure in California was a completely different energy than skating where you were. It, it was, yeah. yeah, yeah. I got I got to skate some ditches. I got to skate a backyard vert ramp, um, and you know, go to Val Surf mm-hmm. and buy some T-shirts that <laughs> right. you know, no nobody had in Kansas. And <laughs> right, right. <laughs> That's awesome. So I guess then, obviously, how did Look Back Library start? Because. I mean, you obviously talk about a love and like your natural collecting, but like what made you kind of want to form it into something more official? Well, I, so basically I'm a a kid that's always worked in skateboarding basically my whole mm-hmm. life. And, um, uh, after running my own company for over 10 years, I started to get my perspective on, commerce and capitalism started to (laughs) change and i started to even though i took pride in the fact that i'm i'm working in skateboarding which is ultimately just at some level the promotion (laughs) of the sport which i love but i got to it got to be kind of a a drag as far as always having to sell right things you know uh my company uh, specialized in uh, video uh, sales, distribution mm-hmm. of all the different videos. And, right. um, and uh, you know, so we, I basically ran the company up until that point where DVDs were almost becoming obsolete. You know, right. um, we had the economic downturn in 2008 and things never really recovered for that, the video market. Um, right. Obviously kids were still skating, but YouTube was on the rise mm-hmm. and, uh, and the, the skateboard companies that were still putting out videos, a lot of them, you know, they weren't the $30 videos that, that totally. you were used to in the nineties that the price per video was dropping. And a lot of them were going to free videos being inserted in the in the magazines polybagged with the magazines just there was this like clamoring to Mm -hmm. just get your video seen right and um and so that ultimately put me out of business Mm -hmm. and you know turns out i was okay with that (laughs) (laughs) right and uh because uh personally i had uh just kind of started to have all these conflicts about being involved right. in, in the, the commerce side of things and the consumption, like always having to consume and how much plastic do we need? And, right. and, uh, and so I always, I, I, after I shut the business down, I just traveled for a few years and um, it's, I, I, you know, I didn't know much about the nonprofit world, but I felt right. like, okay, that's, that's an arena where you can work in a field where, where you, uh, you know, you have a passion for it and you work to maybe promote it or mm-hmm. get new participants involved or, but you don't really have to sell anything. Maybe on the fundraising right. end, that's, it could be that, that sort of drag again, but mm-hmm. um so I felt like at some point I would work my way into the nonprofit world. Right. And, 
And uh, within those first two years of traveling, a friend of mine who I'd worked with, uh, you know, who he ran a shop. I used to sell him DVDs. Mm-hmm. He had sold his shop to two of the brothers that used to work for him. And he started a nonprofit in Colorado called Launch Community Through Skateboarding. Cool. That was kind of just like a... Uh, a promotional tool to encourage kids to skate, to show mm-hmm. them uh, all, you know, doing skateboard clinics and camps in the summer, doing video premieres at their yeah. location. And they had a pretty big magazine library. And so one year, you know, I didn't live in Colorado, but I right. was uh, traveling a lot. And I, uh, it's in Fort Collins where I went to college. So I was very familiar with the town and would usually mm-hmm. normally um, visit visit the town once a year on my travels and uh so that at that point i took it on building up their library as my pet project for the year yeah and i had a lot of contacts within the the existing publishing world uh the magazines that were still around at the time Mm -hmm. and uh and i knew plenty of other shop owners through the the business world. Uh, mm-hmm. and I kind of, I, you know, the one thing that kind of set my company apart from some of the other DVD distributors out there was that we only handled skateboard titles. We right. didn't handle skate wakes, snow, right, ski, right, right, all right. this other <laughs> stuff. And so, so that, that basically had me just dealing with skater owned skate shops right that that, that didn't have to deal with oh we've got to we've got to buy snowboard titles too or something so totally so i i knew my my event or you know my clients very well Mm -hmm. and and i knew who who the skate nerds were and who 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 collected (laughs) videos or who collected magazines and so right um i just i looked towards a few of those um friends of mine and started putting our heads together and making lists of what they needed at launch. And mm-hmm. that led me to the skateboarding hall of fame in Simi Valley. And my friend, uh, Trent who runs Cowtown in the Phoenix area. And between those three locations, I was able to organize all three of those collections and, mm-hmm and figure out, pull the doubles out, send right. doubles from one to the other. And, and it was, uh, I mean, it was a pretty massive undertaking, but totally. within, within six months of being able to go to all three locations and, and start my lists and start doing transfers from one location to the other mm-hmm. and, and, and starting to put out feelers to a few other collectors, you know, we started to get, get pretty close and completing a lot of yeah. the different, uh, sets. Wow. So, so how do you kind of make that like list or like log of what you're actually looking for? Cause like that to me is like probably the most daunting part of this whole project. I mean, aside from actually getting the things, but how do you like know what you're looking for basically? Well, it just, you know, it started small and now it's quite the list. Like I haven't upgraded anything. Mm-hmm. I just started out using notepad lists for each library that I dealt with. Right. As far as, you know, there's, there's a, 
in the beginning, it's like what you have. So you need everything else from this year, from 1982 and 83, but you have March and November. And then right. at some point when you start to check off a bunch of different years where you have all the volumes, it becomes what you need. And um, you only need January 81 and November 82. And, right. and, and so, you know, it's just the, the major mags are up at the top and then you just start to get into all the, the minutia of the foreign magazines <laughs> and the zines and everything kind of right. has their, their category. And um, some of it's alphabetized, some of it isn't. It's just, I work with these lists so mm -hmm. awesome or so often that it's becoming second nature to me. Right. <laughs> I, I know where everything is. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> You know, we, we've had a, a recently, just this year, we've had a volunteer that has, that's like a, you know, librarian, a mm -hmm. real honest to goodness librarian that doesn't know <laughs> right. skateboarding magazines, but she really knows how a library should be set up. Right. And, and we're, we're running into all these, this, these certain levels of friction of like, well, you know, she wants to put everything in, in alphabetical order. And I'm like, well, well that right. a foreign, that's a foreign magazine and that should go, this, these are zines. And, you know, so I have kind of my particular way that I like things to be cordoned off and, and these go over here and this goes over there. And, right. and it, it, I'm realizing that maybe that's not the best way to do it, but. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, that's. That's really crazy. I mean, I think it's, and you're speaking specifically because I know that there are like skate shops and stuff when you look at your website, like that, that you kind of have their own look back libraries within them, but you're speaking specifically about like the collections within the three locations you mentioned. Yes. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. and I guess we should maybe go over that yeah. now. I mean, the, the, <laughs> there's kind of three main areas of of what I try to do with the library first is is running the what I call the master archive out of our location here in San Diego which is mm -hmm. trying to amass copies of every magazine or, or anything in print related to skateboarding so books zines cool. cat catalogs um, poster books um, trading cards there's all sorts of things that uh, I kind of have my hand in and, and mm -hmm. And so first and foremost is, is spending time building out the master collection. Right. Second thing would be building smaller collections at skate shops and non skateboard related nonprofits all over the, the world. Mm -hmm. You know, so that's a service that we offer any, any skate shop that um, is interested in having a, a, a a, a library at their shop or their skate park we facilitate um the construction of that and um and then they get listed on our website as one of our you know locations around the world awesome and then thirdly i guess there's probably four things so third <laughs> third would be you know we've done three different years 2016 17 and 19 we did um exhibit tours Mm -hmm. So, uh, where I would have a theme for the, for the year, put together a flyer, put together a list of shops where we're going to display this exhibit, 
and, uh, and drive around the country and do 55, 75 different um, visits to skate shops. Mm-hmm. And that, that allows us to network with the public. It allows us to take donations. Right. And it also allows us to kind of feel out whether or not this shop would be a good location to try to build a library. Totally. And, um, and then kind of the fourth thing that, that we do, I do spend a fair amount of time on is um, over the years, we've, and we've gotten quite a few different magazine donations from pros and people that have worked in the industry for years. Right. And some of those magazines have that person's mailing labels still on the magazine. Mm-hmm. And so as part of or one way to make the exhibits cooler, I feel like is right. <laughs> to get to set aside some of those magazines from famous people, famous mm-hmm. skaters and get the, get those covers signed. So right. that you, you might have a, a Corey Duffel on the cover where he signed the cover right. and then it's a magazine from John Cardiel and you see his mailing label mm-hmm. on that magazine too. So you put that into an exhibit and it's kind of like, here, uh, here is an extra nerdy level <laughs> <Right>. of detail <laughs> totally. for, for exhibit goers to kind of geek <laughs> out on. That's yes. so, <laughs> so I'm always setting aside certain magazines of people that I think I might be able to reach out to. And, um, and so I spend a fair amount of time uh, networking and linking up with pros to have them sign their covers and, If if it's, if it's a pro that has, uh, you know, five or 15 covers, it's, it's, Mm -hmm. it's always nice to sit them down in front of their covers and kind of get a, uh, a landscape picture of them in front of all the different covers. And, and, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's an accomplishment just to get one cover of a magazine. And some of these guys have 20 covers over the course of their careers and, Mm -hmm. and, and that, you know, that to me is a outstanding achievement. And that's one little way that we try to, um, you know, sh- show that, yeah. that, that element of history off to the public. And totally. Because again, we have, you know, I feel like now there's definitely two, maybe three almost generations of skaters that have been raised, not, not learning about skateboarding, through magazines, but mainly through right. video. Right. And, and I always point to that, that, you know, I grew up learning about skating primarily through the magazines and what I could read and digest mm-hmm. about what's going on in the, in the skateboard world. And, you know, I've, I talked to shop owners that say it's, it's like pulling teeth to give a kid a free magazine now. Yeah, <laughs> I, I fully understand as someone who produces a magazine that it's, I feel really lucky to be able to produce it, but it is, I mean, we, we'll get into this separately because I don't mean to mm-hmm. cut you off, but like obviously a women's magazine is so much different now than a lot of the other landscape of like people growing up not really interested in <laughs> skate magazines, but it's, it's nicer to see like women in, in the print versus... I guess this long-standing history of them not really being included. So at least there's like that angle for us to have kind of that attention, but I fully can understand that it does get really difficult. 
Yeah. And, and so, and, and then the, the fifth area, mm-hmm. I guess, now that I think about it more, <laughs> more, more thoroughly is our Instagram presence where, right. where we, again, at least, at least once a day, I'm putting up a picture on our main page of a photo that ca- catches my eye as I, you know, as I'm, I'm mm-hmm. r- routinely looking through magazines and I just right. shoot, shoot pictures of photos that I like. Uh, and, and those can range from the seventies up till maybe 2015, you know? Uh, mm-hmm. and, um, and then, you know, so we'll have photos from magazines all from time yeah. to time. I'll, I'll post photos of new libraries that are created. I'll post those photos when I meet with a pro and have him sign all his covers. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, yeah. And then, you know, there's just in the last, I'd say year and a half, we've gotten pretty, uh, in depth in creating a, a story every, every day, you know, of just a series yeah. of, of either magazines we're looking for again, fun photos that we see mm-hmm. uh, some, some current events, you know, some of the skateboard companies right. are having a video premiere or a book signing. I'll try to, I'll try to post those things uh, for hope, you know, hopefully get a little more eyes on the certain events mm-hmm. that I, that I support. And um, totally. yeah. And then that, again, that's a good conduit for people to, to reach out to us about, Hey, I've got these magazines. How do I donate them? Or, mm-hmm. And so obviously you were talking about how you're a nonprofit. I'm assuming that all of your magazines come from donations only. Not, not true. Okay. That, that, <laughs> that is where the, wrong. That is where the, the base of them comes from the majority mm-hmm. of them. But um, we do sell magazines that we have in excess mm-hmm. to, col- to collectors that money goes in a pot that allows, gives me some sort right. of budget to buy stuff off of eBay or buy things from uh, certain collectors that are, are, you know, for whatever reason are having to put certain, some of their stuff up for sale. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that doesn't end up being that well. I mean, now, see, we're kind of at that point with the master archive yeah. where we have everything we have all the major U S magazines mm-hmm. from this, you know, from the sixties till present. Yeah. And, and where we have holes are in the zines from the eighties mm-hmm. and nineties and all the different international magazines. So right. that, uh, it, you know, it, <laughs> it, it, we end up having to pay a lot in postage right. to uh, get people to send us mags from, from Europe or Australia or wherever it may be. Totally. And, and app um, postage has gotten crazy in the last couple of years. <laughs> yeah. So mm-hmm. it's more and more of a struggle and, and it just gives me more, uh, like I, I try, I have to spend more and more time networking, you know, trying mm-hmm. to find out is, is somebody I know, is somebody I know flying, you know, I mean, this year has been right, crazy. Right. No, no, no international flights basically, but, Mm-hmm. In the past, you know, uh, I, I saw Sarah Houston, who was on the program recently. Mm-hmm. She yeah. she she had been back in Australia and carted back uh, a backpack full of uh, Australian magazines for me oh, two awesome. years ago. And you know, so I try to 
I'm, I'm constantly trying to work, um, just stay on top of like, when are people traveling and do I have a, do I have a person in this country that has magazines that we're just kind of waiting on either Mm -hmm. a, a library potentially to be built in that area or, you know, just how can we get the magazines over here in a cost effective way? Totally. And, and um, yes, that, yeah. this, this year has been a major, since I haven't really been on the road, that's been a major part of my, my work this year mm-hmm. is just trying to uh, figure out where, where different international collectors are and, and, totally. and working out trades with people. Yeah. I'm sure obviously like through doing all the travel that you do, like it's probably the amount of visibility you've gotten this year has kind of taken a little bit of a hit because of COVID and like just not being able to really spread the word. So I am glad that also we get to talk to you on this platform because I love what you're doing. (laughs) So yeah. Yeah. Our visibility you know, and our ability to mm-hmm. accept donations has been greatly reduced because, you know, magazines are, are on, on the singular level are, are getting heavy. But if you think about somebody with 10 crates of magazines, they want right. to donate. There's no way, you know, that could be a 300 $400 freight bill. Right. And so that, that's one reason that it's so important that uh, I keep the van on the road as much as I can. And, um, you know, to be able to yeah. pick up and, and then to think about, okay, I'm located in San Diego. There's somebody in Tallahassee that wants to do a library, but it's, right. I, I, I'm not going to be able to get to Tallahassee this year. Right. I can't, we don't have budget and, you know, it just wouldn't make any no, sense totally. to, to ship, uh, you know, 1500 pounds of magazines to <laughs> right <laughs> to Tallahassee. I'm actually right. from Miami, so I have lots of people that might be near Tallahassee, but we can uh, talk or like going up to Tallahassee for college and stuff, so we could talk offline about that. I'm not in Miami though now anyways, but yeah, I mean, I'm just <laughs> that was just an example of where that of how something might right. go, you know. I and, was what uh, I was wondering because Tallahassee is a very random uh, example, but <laughs> a good a good one. Cool. Well, I yes. did want to change the subject a little bit because obviously, and I feel this is kind of funny, but you are our first male identifying guest on this podcast. So. I, looked, I, I, I looked and I wondered if that was the case. I was looking through the past guests. I know. I was like, is this going to be crazy? You know, I know that there's obviously a lot of women's stories, but I think yep. one part that like, or sorry, women's stories that we have to tell, but there's, or t- want to take the opportunity to tell, but there's to me, what I've really admired is that like, you know, you did obviously a little um, exhibition at Exposure. And like, I think that you do have, well, regardless, you're collecting the magazines, you know, and there are, you're collecting the magazines that feature women identifying people. And I think that that's always been something that like, I think is really awesome that you put that emphasis out there and like have this curation Um, and have also supported us and wanted to, you know, collect our stuff too. So I just, um, I wanted to talk to you about like when you kind of started to notice women in skateboarding magazines. Well, uh, um, it was, 
quite early on for me, there's mm -hmm. a, a gal named Bonnie Bluen that did, had an, a, a column in Thrasher in 88 called mm -hmm. Skater's Edge. And it was generally text, but sometimes there'd be pictures uh, of gals skating in there. And, um, you know, in 1989, mm -hmm. um, Cara Beth had her cover, right. a Thrasher cover. And, um, you know, so I, I, that would have been the, in the first few years of me skating that I was being mm -hmm. exposed to uh, uh, females in the, in the magazines. And, and it, it, you know, it was, it was pretty rare, obviously at the right. time. And, um, you know, I, I can't, uh, you know, there was, <laughs> there were some gals that, that hang hung around uh the skate scene where i grew up in kansas but i i can't um i can't i can't really say that that we had an, an active skateboarder amongst our right. crew but um but you know that the, there it was in the magazines you know mm -hmm. and and uh you know there was Lori rigsby who was getting photographs in the magazine i remember she mm -hmm. had photos in you know in trans world and power edge and um, and then, you know, I think in, there were, you know, just a few clips in the PAL videos of gal skating right. and, um, and, you know, so it was, it was, it was rare and, um, but, but it's there and, you know, mm -hmm. and, and we have a whole section of magazines dedicated to, um, females and, and here at the master archive and it's right. uh it's um you know so so many of the different segments especially the international magazines and the zines is mm -hmm. is is a never-ending um journey for me i'm always right. learning <laughs> about new ones or i didn't know about this or gosh you know costa rica has a magazine and totally and, and so there's you know, I'm constantly um, gaining more information on what's out there. And, um, um, and so, mm -hmm. yeah, you, you know, as with all the zines, they aren't easy to find, you know, <laughs> no. now we have a handful that, that are consistently putting out, you know, with the skate witches and quell right. and Oso and you know there's there's more and more that are um that are consistently um producing it which is awesome mm -hmm. and um but you go back over the years and you know there was that the sg magazine that i think patty segovia had a fair some influence over mm -hmm. there was um push magazine that mm -hmm. I, I know jesse van rockout had a cover of um there's idlewood which i think michelle pizzell from antisocial does mm -hmm. has done over the years um bad egg you know was uh, ashley mott from colorado um yeah, I don't know her, any of these, so husband. it's like cool to kind of <laughs> tap your brain. I'm definitely going to listen back to this and write them down. You know, yeah, I mean, I can email you a whole list of what we have, you know. Right, it's <laughs> it, very true. It's, it's, it's not in any sort of 
um, order as far as like when they came out. But um, no, for sure. I think that's such a different perspective, though, obviously, like, and to your point, I mean, earlier point, when you talk about how all these people are growing up, like the past three generations with like mainly viewing skate videos, I think that like, there's so much history in print that you're really missing if you're not like as in tuned or if you don't necessarily have access to older issues where like, I find a, such a drop-off of women skateboarding in, like, 80s, 90s, early, early 2000s. But I'm sure, like, you have – I mean, obviously, it's not 100%, like, to where it is now. But I'm sure you have a bit more of a perspective on, like, what you actually can see in print and, like, the published stuff because, you know, you're a collector of that sort of stuff. Right, right. I mean, I uh... – I don't have a firm timeline in my head of when things came out and, totally. um, but I've, I've got it sitting here on the shelf and, uh, how much I digest all of the things, you know, I recently was telling a, a pal, you know, in maybe to my detriment, but there's, there's certain amount of stuff that comes in these days that I don't spend as much time as, people might think or I might want in absorbing the new magazines. There's, I oftentimes get caught up in just checking things off my list and, and more being more anxious to get it on its space in the shelf than to look through it. And so totally um, that, you know, that, that, I don't know what that says. That says, you know, that says (laughs) (laughs) a fair amount of stuff comes in and, I just, I get more more fired up about getting things organized than actually right. maybe absorbing all the data. There's so much data, you know? I think, I mean, it's kind of like a never-ending journey in that respect. So I totally can understand that you're just more excited to accomplish it versus like really dive. And, you know, it's, I barely can remember stuff and I'm not a collector. So I can only imagine <laughs> like, having years and years and years and experiencing all of it so i can imagine yeah so i mean you know when we talk about like the changing landscape you know mm-hmm. um in in recent years you know it was 2004 that was the last issue of big brother 2008 was the last issue of slap 2013 was the last issue of skateboarder and then 2019 was the last issue of Transworld. Thrasher's still going strong. And, you know, so over, right. over the last 12 years or 16 years, we've seen, you know, at one time where there were six major magazines being published every month to now where there's only being one. Right. Um, you know, that's just in the U.S. There's, there is a plethora of magazines being made overseas. Um, Skate John and low card are, are, you know, they're not monthly publications, but they're routinely coming out. Juice is still going, you know, there's, there's, and there's just so many uh, smaller magazines being made. Um, Right. Yeah. There's one called Koyomi out of Japan. That's female centered. Um, And, 
another gal in England makes one of space in the name of right now. Um, you know, so there's, mm-hmm. when we talk about the changing landscape, it's, it's not like right. all magazines are, are not profitable or not, uh, it's not attainable to do it anymore. There's plenty being made. It's just kind of, there's been this shift of, uh, you know, they may not come right. out as often, but there's there's still uh, a huge variety of stuff that's out there uh, available to be seen. And there's more and more books from famous photographers getting put together. Um, yeah. Pete Thompson just did the, you know, just released the 93 Till um, skateboarding book. And, um you know, Grant Britton I hear is working on a book and, mm-hmm. um, you know, so there's, no, totally. there's still a, a load of stuff that's, that we have to look forward to in the future here. Right. So speaking of future, what do you see for the future of the Look Back Library? Well, boy, this <laughs> year has been a real kick in the I pants, know. you know, like, know. uh, um, and and I I've never had like major goals with this. Right. I never really knew where it would go, and um, I'm just happy to see, you know, how how it's flourished over the last five years, and uh, uh, or you know, flourish might be the wrong word, but um, mm-hmm. you know, we we've made uh, an impact. Whether no, how, totally. big a, how big an impact is hard to quantify, but. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess, you know, into the future, I see a continued um, growth of the overall master archive. Right. You know, this year has been very um, unusual for uh, skate shop survival, Uh, you know, so we haven't really built any major magazine libraries this year as we'd hoped to. You know, we built... I think we built 33 in 2019 Wow! and uh, you know, that big part of that was us being on the road for over seven months out of the year right. and, um, and, you know, finding, we, we did a lot of exhibits that year and, and we were constantly picking up magazines from donors and the, that allowed us to have magazines to build these libraries. And it just kind of kept, that kept turning over we'd get magazines and we'd end up at a right. shop they like oh hey we should do a small library over here and it would just work out i'd had enough magazines and they had the space and so you know what what next year will bring hopefully hopefully things will get more stabilized and mm-hmm. you know on on you know the help most skate shops are doing great you know skate, yeah skateboarding you know is experiencing a, a huge boom right now that, that the supply can't really keep up with demand and yeah. and even though you know but there's 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 basically there's been this great reduction of of events obviously people right. can't congregate so <laughs> that all these individualized sports are are seeing uh, massive shortages in in equipment supply and uh, right. skateboarding is right at the top of that list so you know so i i have great confidence that you know <laughs> you know at the beginning of this i was i was really uh worried right in march and april i was like oh my god like how many how many shops are going to um 
you know, not be able to get through this. Totally. And, uh, and I'm going to be picking up magazines from a lot of our existing libraries, you know, as right, right, my, right. Fe- my fear, and that hasn't come to be luckily, but right. um, yeah, we, we just have to get to that point where it's uh, safe enough to kind of get back to having events again. And, totally. And, you know, I feel like, uh, you know, it's just, it's just not, there is not a, a sense of like, it's cool to hang out at the skate shop right now. We go in, we get our stuff. We can't really hang out, you know? Yeah. And we go. And so, you know, hopefully that will return to uh, a more of a sense of normalcy and, and we can get back to doing a, an exhibit tour, maybe not next year, but maybe 2022. And, um, and hopefully as events kick in, we'll, we'll be able to partner, you know, like we did with exposure. Yeah. Cause, um, I'm always down to if there's a certain event, if somebody's retiring, if Cairo Foster's retiring from enjoy, if I can get an invite to that party, I can set up (laughs) a little platform of all of Cairo's covers or it's Hasoy's 50th birthday party. Uh, I, I can put up all Hasoy's covers for the night. You know, there's, so I'm, 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 I'm always trying to get, let marketing people know use you know think of us as a resource you know when right. you're when you're doing a party or an event you know we we're based here in california and we'd like to um be a part of it and, and however you may deem uh, feasible so um we look forward to more of that building more libraries and um you know and just but the, the main thing I can I can see with certainty is the continued growth of the master archive, which is, right. <laughs> is important in itself. I agree. I think that's really awesome, though. And, and a big point that you are making, which is that, like, you you bring so much to kind of this preservation, obviously. And I think that's such a great idea if it's, like, someone's birthday or whatever to show up with, like, you know, all their stuff that they've done. It's it's that's such a special thing to like see it all in front of you and like show so much growth. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's, uh, it's, it shows off the, the range of their achievements in, in mm-hmm. so many senses. Yeah. I actually just, um, sent our magazine to print yesterday. So when I get them in, I will be sending you one, but it's, uh, it's been a really interesting year for skateboarding. I completely agree. And it's like you just said, uh, the amount of people that have told me like, Oh my God, it's crazy how much we've like are selling, like the shops are selling all that stuff. It's I'm really happy that that has kind of been the turn. Yeah. And people are at home more and you know, hopefully it, hopefully people are, are doing some reading, you know, mm-hmm. and, True. and not, not just, uh, embedded in, in, uh, streaming video services and stuff. So, right. um, you know, people have had more time to do things that they enjoy and, and I can only hope that that has, um, you know, a- a- aided in some magazine sales. So, <laughs> and zine sales, you know, right. like, so, totally. Uh, yeah, our magazine, our last issue, I mean, maybe it's because Leo was on the cover, but it 
sold out faster than any of the ones previously. So, oh, good. I, I noticed that it wasn't <laughs> on the website. I'm, I'm yeah, that's uh, sold out. Yeah, so. I did actually repurchase like a hundred copies for when we do the sixth one. So that way, if you're quick, okay. people so you can get it. them. Yeah, yeah you have some good. Yeah, I th- do you have it? By the well, way, yeah, I look- didn't remember if yeah. we sent them. No, we we got it. Yeah, good, good, good. we still okay. we still need one and two though. I know that I'm going to double check now that we're having this conversation, but I'm pretty sure I checked when I, I only have like two for myself. It was very dumb of me, but um, I mean, and that's, that's, uh, that's cool. Like we'll find them at some point, you know? Right. And, <laughs> and I, I, uh, I uh, one other thing that I could kind of say mm-hmm. about the whole organization is that I look at it as a massive recycling project. Right. You know, like um, oftentimes, you know, these, these new books will come out and I'll hit people up. And if we can get one donated, that's great straight out of the bat. But mm-hmm. some, you know, some of these things, there's, they're limited runs and it's like, don't, don't give one away. Sell them, sell them all if you can, you know, like, right. <laughs> and, 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 but, and what I have to realize is that, it might be two years or three years, but down the road, one of those will come back to us in a donation. I, I feel like, you know, totally. and so I, you know, with the eBay purchasing, sometimes I, I get in this rut of like the sense of urgency, like, mm-hmm. and like every day that goes by this, this magazine from 1979 gets more and more rare. It's like, right. should I spend the money now or should I just chill the fuck out right. and be patient and know that if it's meant to be, it'll get sent in a donation right. this year, next year, whenever it might be. So yeah. I have those kind of uh, manic moments, times where I'm, what should I do? Totally. <laughs> should I, mean, I save or should I spend? And Yeah. Um, I know from the opposite angle of that, it's like, I think about this a lot. I don't have the budget right now, but it's like, I'd love to be able to reprint the first three issues because I have a lot of four left, but it's like, I'd love to be able to reprint the first three issues, but then I'm like, do I just let that be what it was and like, let it off in the universe and, you know, I'll keep, we're going to keep doing this. I mean, I hope so. So it's like, I don't know. I I similarly think about that kind of thing. Well, yeah, there's no rush. You can always do it when there's budget to do it or you get a special sponsor that yeah. has to run 50 more off or whatever, you know, and and uh no, you know, no rush to make those Exactly. Well, we we ask one more question, or sorry, one last question. I need to go to sleep clearly. But <laughs> so our last question usually is, what advice do you have for someone who wants to start skateboarding? Oh boy, yeah. <laughs> uh, I I feel like there's so many resources. Uh, it's it's a lot different than a kid growing up in Kansas in the eighties, you know, like yes. there's, there's YouTube tutorials. There's so many different skate shops and skate parks or, mm-hmm. you know, where, where it's, you know, somebody in your town is probably teaching skateboard lessons. Right. And, uh, and, but, you know, I come from this, uh, 
this time in skateboarding where it was just you and your friends and you just put the time in in front on the curb in front of your house just mm -hmm. constantly <laughs> slamming right. and trying things and and you know uh i just encourage people to to re you know really uh stick with it and and put the work in it's not easy <laughs> you right. know and um and uh you know I, I do, I do feel like the YouTube videos could be very helpful or would have been helpful to me. As a kid, <laughs> yes. You know, um, you, you know, when, when initially when I started out just having magazines, those, they had little trick tips in them, but boy, they, right. were, <laughs> they were not that helpful. Right. Well, now and, it's not even YouTube. It's TikToks that can help you with skateboarding. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But I still yes. I feel old and I'm not, I'm 26 like looking at TikTok so I don't even know but <laughs> <laughs> yeah and and then I think that the other thing would be to just you know learning with a buddy you know right. trying to utilize that buddy system where it's not just you out there slamming all day long but you can <laughs> bounce bounce ideas back and forth is this working for you is it, you know and you know maybe start with a lesson if you're really really just new to it and then um you know there's there's especially for the uh the ladies it's like uh there's more and more of the the, the meetup groups mm -hmm. and Definitely. certain skate nights you know where you can go and, and i think you know really cuts down on some of the intimidation factor that, that mm -hmm. you might run into if you just randomly show up at the skate park um, as definitely a and uh, so find your community and and just yeah you know, be prepared to put the put the work in because it, it's not doesn't come easy <laughs> agreed <laughs> amazing well where can people find you i know you mentioned the instagram which i will say is a great follow so go do that <laughs> yeah at look back library is our instagram um, lookbacklibrary.org is uh, the website and i can always be d you know Mm -hmm. uh, we're not at that stage yet where I can't manage <laughs> the DMs. I, I'm very good at getting back to people's questions and quick messages, but you right. can also email me at kevin at lookbacklibrary.org. And that is pretty much the, we have a Facebook page that doesn't see much use um but right. it's there if, <laughs> if that's your main your main choice of social media you kind of um, broke up there but i know you said facebook page which we barely use ours so i, I should probably be better at that but it, it's yeah it's there it's there yeah and, um, but yeah for now it's uh, our main portal is instagram and email so amazing Thanks for listening to Quell Party. If you like the podcast, please rate us five stars and leave a review. We're back every other week with new episodes, so if you'd like us to talk to your favorite skaters, please send us a message via email or on Instagram. You can find all things Quell on Instagram at Quellskate or on our site, quellskate.com. Thanks for joining the party.